Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. A lot of times we identify with the wrong things and the wrong people. Yeah. And we compare ourselves with people and uh, we always seem to fall short. But I'm telling you, if you know who you are in Christ, you don't need to compare anymore. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, speaking of which, I want to talk to you this morning about insecurity. Insecurity. Uh, you know, I really believe it's a, it's a problem not only in the world, but especially in the body of Christ. There's too many people feeling insecure. And one of the reasons is because we don't know who we are in Christ. And we don't know who he is in us. If we only knew that, we wouldn't be insecure. We'd be secure. Amen? But let me, let me uh, define insecurity. It's uncertainty or anxiety about oneself. It's a lack of confidence. It's someone that doubts their own abilities. It makes you hesitant, self-conscious, and anxious. Another word for anxious is what? Worrisome. And insecurity is something that we all experience. Nobody's exempt from insecurity. But if we don't get over it, it will have a lasting and harmful impact on our lives. And insecurity will keep you from walking out your goals and most of all, it will keep you from even trying to walk out your goals. Yeah. And, and in, insecurity has some ugly stepsisters, too. Anxiety, fear, worry, doubt. Insecure people have a hard time dealing with stressful situations because you don't feel qualified or adequate enough to handle them. How many knows God will get you through anything? But you got to stand up. you gotta, you got to draw from him. You just can't cower away. You can't back up. You can't back down. You've got to make that first step, and God will see you through. You know, a person that's insecure has a hard time forming meaningful, healthy, healthy relationships because you always feel undeserving. You always feel inadequate. And you never feel loved or accepted. You never feel like you're good enough. Every time there's a problem, you feel responsible for it. You always accept the blame, and in your eyes, it's always your fault. That's how insecure people think and feel. And if you want to have more loving and meaningful relationships, like Pastor Ed was talking about this morning, then you're going to have to overcome your insecurities. You can't have insecurities and still have a, a loving, meaningful relationship with anybody. And feelings of insecurity make it more difficult for us to show love and most of all to allow ourselves to be loved the way that we should be loved. Amen. Amen. So we got to come to terms with our insecurity. If we want to enjoy the love that God created us to enjoy, we're going to have to be secure in him. Amen. And this problem affects more women than it does men, but most men try to cover it up because it's not macho to be insecure. Amen. We'll never admit that it scares us when something goes bump in the night, will we? Uh-uh. I, I got this, honey. Don't worry about it. And then you get out of bed stomping your feet and turning all the lights on, hoping that whatever made the bump is gone before you get to it. <laughs> But why is this subject so important? Because it will even affect your relationship with God. Because like I said this morning, God has got to be your number one relationship. He's the one that, that has to fulfill you. Because if he can't do it, nobody on earth is going to be able to do it. You have to know what love is and what it feels like. And that comes from your heavenly father. No one loves you more than him. And you also have to feel accepted. And no one accepts you more than he does. Even as crazy as you are, God still loves you and accepts you. Don't try it with me, though. I don't have to. No, I have to love you. I don't, I don't have to accept any craziness, though. 
But I learned from the Bible, especially at the Church of Galatia, that people who are insecure can be easily manipulated. You know, there were some false teachers at Galatia that they were manipulating people because of their insecurities. They seen that weakness in people and said, hey, we can get something out of them. We can manipulate them. So Paul had to address it in his letter to the Galatians. And uh, Paul is an example of someone that overcame his insecurities. I mean, he was a confident man. He preached with boldness. He preached before his enemies. He preached before kings. He didn't hold back. He didn't pull any punches. He was right there every time giving them the word. Amen. He knew who he was in Christ, and he never looked for acceptance in people. And that's what people with insecurities do. Paul had confidence, but his confidence was in the abilities that God gave him. Listen to what Paul said in Galatians 1.10. He said, do you think I'm trying to make people accept me? No, God is the one I am trying to please. Am I trying to please people? If I still wanted to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Amen. I find that to be true. You can't please people and please God at the same time. So you got to get your priorities right. Who are you going to please? If I please God, I don't have to worry about pleasing people. Amen. I want to be pleasing to God and accepted by God. And if I'm uh, pleased, loved, and accepted by God, I don't need people's acceptance. Because if you don't manage that, you'll be easily manipulated and exploited by others because of that weakness. You know, I don't know if you realize it or not, but I try to bring out subjects that I think that we need as, a, as a, a Christians, as people trying to make it in this world, how to be successful and things like that. And when I come across something like this, the Lord will, I, you know, I, I don't hear any, you know, band playing or angels singing or anything like that, but he'll somehow highlight it, you know. And, and when I came to this passage, I realized that insecurity is an issue in the church. Because it was an issue in my life. And I still have to struggle with it every now and then. But for the most part, I've got it defeated. I've overcome it. I, I ain't scared of you anymore. <laughs> but people who are insecure, according to Apostle Paul, are people pleasers. And they're always trying to gain the approval of others by bending over backwards to please them. And I'm not talking about just being nice. There's nothing wrong with being nice. We should be nice. But do you have a hard time saying no because you fear that somebody won't love you or accept you if you do? That's insecurity. Don't condemn yourself if you do have insecurities because you're in good company. I, I notice in the Bible that all kinds of people felt insecure, starting with Adam and Eve after they sinned, of course. Moses was insecure, Joseph was insecure, Job, King Saul, Esther, Shammah, Gideon, Peter, the prophets like Elijah, uh, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and a host of others all had insecurities, and some of them were pretty bold insecurities. But I, I noticed with a lot of the prophets especially, God called that out of them, and God placed within them a boldness and a confidence that they would need to go and bring his word to the people. And it's okay to feel insecure at times, but it's not okay to stay that way. Insecurity eventually destroyed King Saul. His insecurity about David, I mean, he was the king. David was his servant, yet he was insecure. And we have these feelings with people, people we even live with. With husbands and wives, we have that feeling of insecurity with sisters and brothers. It's a terrible thing to feel insecure, but you don't have to. It destroyed Saul eventually because he was insecure with David. If he would have got over his insecurities, do you know what him and David could have did for the kingdom of God? But I noticed that the ones that overcame their insecurities, with God's help, God made them prosperous and very successful. I want to use as an example of insecurity that really stands out, and that's the prophet Jeremiah. Look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. And you can see this in a lot of the prophets as they spoke to God. 
you could sense it and you could see the insecurities that they were dealing with. And it starts out, the Lord gave me this message. And verse 5 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. Didn't Moses say the same thing? And he says, I'm too young. And the Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. That ain't, that's why I'm not scared of you. He's with me. He'll protect me. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some of you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. That's our job. And then skip down to verse 17. God says, get up and prepare for action. Go out and tell them everything I tell you to say. Do not be afraid of them, or I will make you look foolish in front of them. For see, today I have made you strong like a fortified city that cannot be captured, like an iron pillar or a bronze wall. You will stand against the whole land, the kings, officials, priests, and people of Judah. They will fight you, but they will fail. Remember what I told you about God's butts last week? They will fail, for I am with you, and I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Hallelujah. So Jeremiah was called to prophesy of Jerusalem's coming destruction. Uh, and, and the reason was because Israel had been unfaithful to the laws of the covenant, and they had forsaken them. And God, uh, they, they forsook the laws and God by worshiping a false god by the name of Baal. And not only that, but Israel was even sacrificing their children on an altar of fire to another false god by the name of Molech. He was called the god of fire. And they would actually take their little infant baby, alive and well, crying and kicking, and walk up to this brazen altar of fire and lay their baby right on that altar alive. And sacrifice it to a false demon god by the name of Moloch. And our modern day equivalent to this practice is abortion. And Israel had deviated, not drifted. They deviated so far from God that it caused him to lift his hand from Israel and withhold his blessings. Withhold his protection. Withhold his provision. And so Jeremiah had to prophesy what was coming. He was going to send hordes from the north to overtake Israel and take them into captivity and cause a famine to come into the land. And then he was going to have them spread about all over the known world as it was. And they would be exiled to foreign lands. And how many knows that was not a popular message for Jeremiah to bring to these people? But because of his insecurities, Jeremiah resisted God's call at first. He made all kinds of excuses and complaining that he was too young. What's your excuse? Why ain't you doing what God called you to do? Anyway, the Lord insisted that Jeremiah go and speak to the people. And then he touched Jeremiah's mouth. In other words, he told him what to speak. He told him what to say. And, and he said... Uh, Jeremiah, get yourself ready. Say that. Get yourself ready. That's important. Because there's a problem with a lot of Christians and a lot of people in general because we want things that we're not ready for. And we pray and ask God for things. And God tells us, same thing he told Jeremiah, get yourself ready. Tell your neighbor, God said to get ready. See, we want a new car, a new house, a new job, a promotion, a new relationship. 
and we pray and ask God for it, and God tells us to get ready, but we don't hear him, and we go and force that situation, and we get it ourselves, and we do it the way we want to do it, and then we wind up with something that turns out to be a curse rather than a blessing. Amen. We push to get things that we're not ready for. And you know why you didn't get it? Because you weren't ready. Or if you did get it, it's because you pushed it. And God told you to get ready because you needed a steady job with good pay before you could afford that new car or before you could afford that house. But you say, oh, I ain't waiting. And you push it and you get it. And now at the end of the month, you're wondering why you ever did it. He told you to get ready for that new job or promotion by going back to school and learn better the skills that you're required to do on that particular job. In other words, qualify yourself. Be qualified for the job that you're trying to get, the promotion that you're trying to get. Because if you ain't, what's going to happen? You'll be made a fool of. God didn't give you that new relationship because he told you to work on some of your character flaws. Get some things under the blood. See, we, we come out of relationships carrying all kinds of baggage. And God knows unless you deal with them, get them under the blood, get them behind you, you're going to take that baggage into your new relationship and you're going to be, blame your new husband or your new wife for all the things that your other spouse did to you. You ain't ready. God, I want a husband. Okay. No problem. Get yourself ready. The Apostle John said he saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 2,000 plus years, God is preparing a bride for his son. It don't happen overnight. There has to be preparation because if there's not, you're not going to be ready. That bride has been in preparation for a long time. Are you preparing yourself? And part of the preparation is getting rid of those insecurities, getting rid of that old baggage. What or who defines you? Your past relationships? The one you're with now? The one you want to be with? You're being defined by the wrong person or the wrong thing. Let God define you. Let him tell you who you are. Yes. Amen. Because if you're not defined by God, then someone else is going to define you. And you're going to do what people say you should do rather than what God says you should do. And once you realize who you are in Christ, then you'll have a confidence and a boldness that you never had before. You will have a righteous indignation. You won't only be indignant, you will be indignantly righteous indignation. You'll realize that you're too valuable to settle for the first slick-talking guy that comes along. And that's why there's so many young girls getting themselves in trouble. Their insecurities got them looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for acceptance in all the wrong places. Now I'm talking to dads, past, present, and future. Maybe granddads. Love your little girls while you can. Give them the attention that they need and crave. Make them feel valuable. Make them feel worthy. Make them feel special and beautiful. Teach them by example what to look for in a man by the way that you treat their mama. Teach them by example. And men... You be teaching your sons the same thing because they don't know what a man looks like unless you show them first. And if you don't show them, the devil will. But you got to show them by the way that you treat your wife. They'll learn that's how I'm supposed to treat my wife. Then they won't settle for the first hoop-de-doo that comes along. If they feel secure, if they feel confident, then they'll look that slick-talking dude in the eye and say, uh-uh, can't touch this. My daddy told me about you. God has someone special for me, 
And I'll know him when he comes along because he'll look just like my daddy. Hallelujah. And if you don't have an earthly daddy to get an example from, you got a heavenly daddy that's a good example. Now, the men say, what about me? I want to get married too. Well, God says that you have to find a good wife. They ain't looking for you. If they are, they ain't for you. You have to find a good wife. But are you ready? Are you in debt? Do you have a well-paying job? Are you financially secure? Do you have a savings account with money in it? Have you got a reliable car? Do you have a place to live that would be fitting of a good wife? If you don't, you're not ready. Are you ready mentally, physically, emotionally? Because I'm telling you, you're about to climb on a roller coaster ride of your life. And if you ain't ready for it, you'll get sick. You'll be hanging over the side. You'd be like that guy in the movie, don't die, don't die, don't die. And do you know what you're looking for? What does a good wife look like? Especially if your mother didn't give the example of what a good wife looks like. You need to find out what a good wife is. And like I said, if she's chasing you, then she's not the one. Because God says you have to find a good wife, man. The one you're looking for is too busy getting herself ready and preparing to be running after you. <laughs> and you ain't going to find her on a bar stool or in a corner either. You know, the reason so many marriages end in divorce today is because neither one of them were prepared and ready. So they settle for the first thing to come down the road. And even if she or he is the right one, you're still overwhelmed by all the things that you weren't prepared for, all the things you weren't ready for. And some Christians don't believe in dating before marriage. But let me ask you a question. If you owned a business, would you hire somebody without an application, an interview, a drug test? A character test? Or would you just hire the first one come through the door? No. Why? Because you need to learn something about them. You have to make sure that they're going to fit with your ideas and your vision and your uh, company and the things that you do. And the only way you're going to find that out is by send, spending some time with them face-to-face -face in communication. And then do a background check. Find out where they've been, what they've been doing, how successful have they been, how many jobs have they, have they been fired from, for what? In other words, you've got to get some information before you can make a good decision. So, you know, uh, dating someone, in my eyes, and not everybody agrees with me, is the interview process for marriage. That's where you learn about them, by talking and communicating. And, of course, there has to be some boundaries to dating, especially with the young kids that are under the legal age. And I'm not talking about take one. Take, <laughs> trying to be nice. I'm not talking about taking them to bed for a test drive. I, can't, I could be nice on that one. I couldn't think of something nice. Oh, pastor, it was love at first sight. You mean it was lust at first sight? No, really, Pastor, I fell in love. The moment I seen him, I knew he was my man. First of all, people don't fall in love. People usually get hurt when they fall because falling is an accident. You don't fall for no reason. You trip on something. Love comes gradually. You can't love someone you don't even know. You come to love or dislike someone because of what you know about them. See, Pastor Ed didn't even like me when we met. It all changed when she found out how wonderful I was. But at first, she didn't like me. She thought I was a bum. Why? She didn't know me. And I didn't know her. I was attracted to her, yes. Physically, my eyes landed on her and bounced around and said, yeah, I like that. 
But I didn't love her because I didn't know enough about her. You got to spend time with somebody and learn to love them. Learn if you want to love them. There was a time I never even thought about God. I didn't know anything about him. Therefore, I didn't love God. I was afraid of him. I thought he was a, a judgmental God that sat up in heaven with a big stick waiting for me to mess up so he could whack me in the head. I didn't want no part of God because of that. Why? I didn't know him. But when I got to know him and I learned this about him and that about him, I learned how much he loved me and how much he accepted me. And I was the apple of his eye more and more. Every day I loved him more and more. Why? Because I learned more and more about him. I knew more and more about him. God, I want to have children. Okay. Same answer. Get yourself ready. Because you talk about a roller coaster ride. This is a roller coaster ride that's off the rails. God, I want to do this. I want to do that. Okay. Get yourself ready. Most people are overwhelmed with life because the things that they brought into their life, they weren't ready for, and now they're overwhelmed and frustrated. God, I didn't sign up for this. You didn't tell me about this. I tried to tell you. Yeah, but I, I told you to get ready. What do you think that means? Get yourself ready. And it must mean you're not ready. We have children we're not ready for. Cars and their payments that we're not ready for. Houses with big payments that we're not ready for. Promotions that we weren't ready for that turned out to be a demotion. We had a say, saying at UPS, you know, I'd rather you be a good supervisor than a bad manager. Because right. if you're a bad manager, I got to deal with you. And what usually winds up happening, either you get fired or you go back to being a supervisor. Either way, you're made foolish. All things that are meant to be blessings, and now they become burdens. Why? Because you weren't ready. You weren't ready for them. Now we're overwhelmed and we're frustrated with life. And most of you never even ask God... And if you did, you didn't listen to him when he told you what? To get ready. You will never enjoy things if you're not ready for them when you get them. Anyway, that was a rabbit path that I went on as I was studying this. God just brought it to me. And so we chased that rabbit down, and now we got that out of the way, we'll, we'll move on a little bit. But anyway, because of Jeremiah's insecurities, he doesn't want to do what God told him to do. And just like a lot of us, we won't do what God told us to do for the same reason, insecurities and fear. God told me and Pastor Rick, go to Ramah. I didn't want to go. God told us, come to Louisville. We didn't want to go. God told us to start this church. We didn't want to do it. God told us to do a lot of things that we didn't want to do. And the reason we didn't want to do them is because we were too insecure. We lacked the confidence to do them. We felt we were unworthy to do them. Inexperienced. All kinds of reasons. Just like Jeremiah. And that's why we need to deal with them just like Jeremiah did. And the only way you deal with them is hit them head on. Go in there. I'd rather see you go in and fail than not go in at all. To not try at all. You know, Jeremiah felt inadequate. He was too young. He wasn't smart enough. He wasn't qualified enough. He wasn't worthy enough. He wasn't confident enough. He, he didn't have the required credentials. He wasn't the right color. He was a high school dropout. He had a record. All kinds of reasons that you can come up with for not doing what God told you to do. And they're all because of your insecurities. All the same reasons that you keep from doing what God told you to do, these are the things that Pastor Ed and I had to overcome or we wouldn't be here today. And we've all grown up with some kind of insecurities. And the devil likes to constantly remind us of what they are. The minute we get ready, we get up, 
enough confidence and enough boldness to step out and do something, the devil say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't do that because you got a record. You ain't qualified. You ain't got enough money. You ain't smart enough. You didn't stay in school. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. He'll tell us all kinds of reasons. And, and we've all had insecurities. I grew up with all kinds of insecurities. When I was a kid, I would literally hide when people came to the house. That doorbell would ring, and I'd run and get under the dining room table and let the tablecloth drape over me so nobody could see me. My mother had to call me and look for me. I wouldn't say a word. I would be scared to death to come out. Why? Insecure. Come to think of it, I still hide when somebody rings my doorbell. <laughs> my parents said I was bashful, but I, I realize now it was insecurities. Then one day, God delivered me, gave me confidence and a feeling of love and acceptance that I never had before. And I learned that he loved me and would help me and be there for me no matter what. And not only that, but I learned eventually to love myself. You know, when I look at myself the way God looks at me, I kind of like myself. But if I looked in the mirror and looked at me and, and, and had to see me for myself... I wouldn't be too happy about myself, let alone love myself. But I look at me the way that God looks at me. And I'm, I can tolerate me. And, but people have a hard time loving themselves because they're always comparing themselves to somebody or something. And, they, and, and no matter who it is, you never seem to measure up because you always try to compare up for some reason. Always living in the shadows of other people's lives. But God is saying to rise up in the light of his word and who he says you are and start casting your own shadows. You, you can cast a shadow too. You're somebody. You've got a body. You're a person. Cast your own shadow. Don't walk in somebody else's shadow. When you find yourself walking in a shadow, move over. Let the light shine on you and cast your own shadow. God created us all different and unique. And if you don't like who you are, then change it. Yes. Some things you can't change, like that big nose, bald head, big ears, that big, never mind. Anyway, if you ain't happy with who you are, then improve what you can, change what you can, and accept the rest. In other words, get over yourself and move on. Amen. This is one of the things that will hold you back. What will people think? I don't look the part. But who are you comparing yourself with anyway? Some weirdo out of Hollywood? Are you comparing yourself with some sports personality? Someone that's famous? Looks don't count with God anyway. He said man looks on the outward appearance, but I look on the heart. God's looking at your heart. What's your heart look like? Don't worry about what's in the mirror. Look in the word, the mirror of the word, and find out what your heart looks like. Because that word will reflect what you look like on the inside. And that should be all you're concerned with. Yeah, clean yourself up. Put a little makeup on if it helps. Get a haircut. Comb your hair. Just wear some clean, pressed clothes. Put on a tie if you want. Look as good as you can on the outside, but this is all it is. Get used to this. This ain't going to get much better here. Right. Amen. But I'm happy with me. Why? Because I ain't worried about the outside. I'm worried about the inside. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How's your heart looking this morning? See, the main thing about being insecure is you'll look for security in all the wrong places, all the wrong people. You'll seek for their approval. You'll join their gang or their group. All because you're looking for acceptance, looking for love. And because of this, you'll begin to compromise your standards and do things that you know you're not supposed to do because they're wrong. And you're afraid if you don't do it and don't go along with the gang or go along with the group, whether it's at school or on the job or anywhere else, that they'll reject you. And you can't stand rejection. But I'm telling you, I serve a God that was rejected by everybody, including his own people. His own father rejected him at one time, and yet he went on. Hallelujah. Thank God he did, or we wouldn't be saved today. 
And that's why so many young people go astray and start running with the wrong people, start running with the wrong gangs or the wrong groups and, and compromise everything that you taught them as a parent just so they will be accepted. Let me tell you something. Hell will freeze over and the little devils will all be ice skating down there before I compromise my relationship with God or before I compromise my standards as a Christian, especially for the approval of people I don't even like anyway. And they don't really like you. I'm not drinking with nobody. I'm not smoking with nobody. I'm not cussing with nobody. I'm not going somewhere that I ain't supposed to go and I'm not su supposed to be doing just so they'll like me. Are you kidding me? They can take a long walk off a short pier. That's what they could do. I ain't compromising my integrity. I'm not compromising my standards. I ain't doing what the Bible tells me not to do. Just to be accepted by a group or a person. I ain't doing it. I'm going to stand up for Jesus, and if someone don't like it, they know where the door is. Don't let it hit you. The only acceptance I need is with my God, because I know that he loves me. I know that he accepts me. I know that he receives me just the way I am. That's all the acceptance I need. That's all the attribution I need. Jeremiah, let's look at verse 5 again. I want to try to hit on a few more things before I close here in a few minutes. He said, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of your mother's womb, I sanctified you and I ordained you or uh, anointed you or gave you the ability uh, to be a prophet unto the nations. And that word form in the Hebrew means to fashion and frame, to fashion and frame. In other words, God is saying, everything about your life, I fashioned it. I formed it. I framed it. I did it, and uh, look, this is important for us to know because you have to understand Everything you've done, everything you've been through, good or bad, was all framed and formed by God for a purpose. Nothing happened to you by happenstance. Now, I know we get into things ourselves that God don't lead us into. As a matter of fact, God is trying to steer us away from it, but we get into it anyway, and it turns out bad for us. But God will use that. Amen. He'll use it for something that you're going to face down the road. See, and, and, and instead of understanding this, if we don't understand this, then we get bitter and we get angry. And we think that we were just given a raw deal. God just dealt me a bad hand and I just have to work with, I have to deal with. But that's not the case at all. God orchestrated everything. He knew everything he was doing because he knows where you're going. He knows where he wants you to be. And God may have not caused all the bad things, like I said, uh, but he allowed them because as he was framing and forming your life, he knew that you, uh, what you needed in order to get where you were going. And he knew that everything you went through was to strengthen you and get you ready for it. See, instead of being angry and bitter about where we came from and the things we had to deal with and the things we had to go through, recognize the fact that God allowed it. For a reason. He formed it. He framed it because he knew it would contribute to you becoming the person that he intends for you to be. Amen. And when you look back over your life, I've done this. And the things that you went through, you'll realize that it was God preparing you for what was coming. And I'm telling you, I went through some horrible things. I mean... Things that could have been devastating, not only for me, but for my family. And I realize now, had it not been for God, I would have never made it through that. And I realize now why it was so valuable for me to have to go through that. Because I learned something. And just like I, I talked last week about that drill sergeant, he was preparing me to run with the horses. What you've been going through is your boot camp for life. 
And the things that you've been enduring and going through is uh, for your future, getting you ready to run with the horses. Amen? I mean, get over yourself. Get that behind you. Learn what you were supposed to learn and move on to the next footman, to the next lesson. God will get you to the place where you need to be, where he wants you to be. And then he says he knew you. Before he formed you in the womb, he knew you. I'm not puzzled like the so-called scientists and politicians that can't figure out when life begins. Some believe it begins at conceptions. Others believe that it begins when the baby takes his first breath outside the womb. But I'm not confused. I know. God says it begins even before conception because God says before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. Before you were even born, God looked into your future, the future that he had planned for you. That's why it's so important that we find the will of God for our life and we walk it out. We walk in his will because that's going to lead us to the future that he planned for us. But we don't do that. He knew where he wanted to take you. He knew the plans he had for you. He said he had plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's his plans for us. He knew your destiny. And I can tell by looking at you, you didn't have a clue. You don't have an idea. And I can also tell by looking at you that you ain't arrived yet. You ain't there yet. You're a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. He's still working on us. He's still getting us ready for the future that he planned for us. All the stuff you've experienced, all the stuff you're experiencing now, all the things you're going through is God preparing you and getting you ready for your future. It's where he wants to take you. And you may not know what your future holds, but he knows. He knows where he's taking you. And the reason you ain't reached your destination yet is because you've been fighting him and resisting him. Amen, I said it. You won't surrender your will. You won't say, not my will, but thy will be done, O God. You won't do his will because you're too busy doing your will. You won't follow because you're following either your will or you're bound to someone else's will, someone else's goal. You know, when we told our friends and our family that we're going to Ramah, some of them told us not to go. Our pastor even told us not to go. But thank God we weren't seeking their will. We were seeking God's will. Amen. Thank God we didn't resist. Thank God we obeyed. We didn't know what God had planned for us, but he knew. He knew. Sometimes, like with Abraham, God just tells you to go. All right, God, let's sit down and take out our calendars. And I want to know where, what we're going to be doing and where I'm going to be on such and such a date. And then after that, I need to know what the next step is and where we're going to be. And after we finish, Raymond, where are we going to go, what are we going to do, who are we going to do it with? And God just says, go. How many know it takes faith to just go, not knowing the outcome? Oh, we knew we were, we were going to Raymond. We didn't know we were going to learn how to be pastors. He didn't tell us that until after our first year at Ramah. After we, we uh, finished our first whole year, then God told us, I want you to be pastors. And that was the next step. Where do you want us to be pastors at? Just go. Yeah, but I hope you don't plan on sending us back to Chicago. Just go. Pastor, I said, I hope you ain't planning on sending us back to Kentucky. God said, just go. And it wasn't until the end of our second year, if I'm lying, I'm flying. Right, Pastor? That he told us where to, we were going to be pastors at. And then he just told us again, go. I'm telling you, God is funny that way. He won't give you the whole plan. If he did, we'd have never left Chicago. It would have been too scared. So God says, I'll just give you one step at a time. And it takes faith to take that step. You don't take this step, you don't get the next one. And that's the way it is with a lot of things with God. But here's the thing. We're not at our final destination yet. Hallelujah. 
You're not looking at the finished product yet. As fine as this is, it ain't the finished product. It's never too late to change directions. It's never too late to change whose will you want to follow. It's not too late to surrender and do his will. His will is the only one that's going to get you to his destination, what he has planned for you. There's still time for God to form us and frame us into the image of his son. That's what he's trying to do. Yes. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. Hallelujah. Look at the other one and say, God's still working on me. God's Thank God he ain't quit. Thank God he ain't done. Because I ain't looking too good right now. But God's still working on us, and the things that we're going through right now are part of the preparation. He's getting you ready. If God keeps telling you to get ready, what makes you think he's not going to get ready? God would be a hypocrite if he told us to do something that he wouldn't do. He's getting ready at the same time. Like the song said, there's a place for me. Jesus said, "Uh, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go... Then I will come again and, and bring you back to me, bring you back to that place. You know what? what he's preparing. Yes. He's getting ready a place for us. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wouldn't want to get to heaven and Jesus say, wait a minute. Now, I ain't even broke ground on your house yet. I ain't even started building your manage, mansion yet. What would that mean? That mean that he wasn't ready for me. He ain't going to let that happen. He's going to be ready for us. Are we going to be ready for him? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When that last brick gets put in place, that last piece of sod is laid, that last fence post is put up, he's coming back to get us. And we better be ready because he's ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got to be ready, prepared for where he's taking us. And here's the thing. He said, I knew you. He knew you and still loved you. He knew the sin you were going to get into, the hell you were going to raise, and he still loved you. He said before he formed you, he knew you. Before you were born, he sanctified you. And that word sanctify means that he cleansed you. He cleaned you up and set you apart for his use. He's got something for you to do. If he knew all this beforehand, then he must have known. Try and be nice again, but I can't. He must have known what kind of dog you were going to be. He must have known how dirty you were going to get. He must have known all the sins that you were going to get into. He knew how bad you were going to be, how dirty you were going to be, how unfaithful you were going to be. And he still loved and died for you anyway. Why are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Here's your love right here. When you get secure in this love, then you won't get messed up every time you turn around. God had us clean before we got dirty. He washed us in the blood of the lamb. Before you were born, he set you aside for cleansing. He had you washed in the blood and cleansed before even the foundations of the world. He, him and the, the Father and the Holy Ghost, or the Word, the Father and the Holy Ghost, got together and they said, let us make a man. And I'm sure one of them popped up and said, yeah, but that man is going to be a mess. He ain't going to obey you. He's going to be dirty. He's going to get into sins that will make your eyeballs roll back in your head. He's just going to be a mess. God said, we'll make him anyway. And we'll clean them. We'll sanctify them. Hallelujah. Before he ever made us. I don't know why you don't feel loved. I don't know why you don't feel accepted. I don't know why you don't feel worthy. If no one ever loved you, he does. If no one ever had any use for you, he does. If anyone was ever willing to die for you, he did. You know, with God in your life and understanding what he did for us, you'll realize how much he loves you. And that in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, which means that 
He accepted us just the way we were. We didn't have to change one thing to come to him. Not one thing. He says, I love you and accept you even before you were formed in your mother's womb. I cleansed you even before you were formed in your mother's womb. I set you aside for my use even before you were formed in your mother's womb. Ain't no politician going to tell me when life begins. Life began when God said it began. And that was even before the womb. If you take a baby out of the womb, even after the first day of conception, it's murder. If you think about killing that baby before he's even conceived, it's murder. Thank God for forgiveness. That's another thing he did for us. He forgave us. Past, present, and future. So with God in your life, you have all the confidence that you need. You have all the security that you need. Why do you need it from somebody else? Who can give you that kind of love and acceptance besides God? Nobody can even hold a candle to that love and acceptance. And when you feel loved and accepted by him, being loved and accepted by somebody else won't seem that important to you. Amen. It's nice to be loved and accepted. I appreciate that Pastor Ed loves and accepts me because I was a mess. I still mess up. But she loves me and accepts me. She'll get mad at me, but she never stops loving me. That's wonderful to know. It gives you confidence. It makes you feel good about yourself. But I'm telling you, if I wasn't getting that love and acceptance from her, I know where I could get it. If I need to be affirmed and she don't affirm me, I know where I can get affirmation from him. I don't need it from somebody else. Hallelujah. I was trying to get a little sympathy this morning. She shut me down. I told her, I asked her if I could call off this morning. That was a mistake. <laughs> if you don't feel love and accepted, then you're looking for love and acceptance in all the wrong places. We can beat insecurity. We don't have to live with insecurities. Because the love we need and the acceptance we need comes from him. Amen. Not from some man, not from some woman, not from some gang or group. And as long as I'm loved and accepted by him, I don't need it to come from anybody else. It's nice if it does, but if it don't, I don't miss it. Amen. If I can't run and get in Pastor Ed's arms and get some sympathy, I run to him and get it. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Terrible thing to feel insecure. Terrible thing to lack confidence. Self-doubt. Hesitate. Anxious. Worrisome. Terrible thing to live a life like that. Well, first of all, I'm going to start out with a prayer for forgiveness. God, I ask you to forgive us each and every one that's in this room. If you need this forgiveness, raise your hand so God knows who to forgive. I ask you to forgive everyone that has a raised hand in this place this morning, Lord. First of all, for not realizing how much you love and accept them. Second of all, that they're looking for love in all the wrong places, acceptance in all the wrong places. And most of all, Lord, because even though you told us to get ready for the things that we're overwhelmed with right now in this life and frustrated with, we didn't heed to what you said, and we didn't get ready. We pushed it through, and we got what we wanted and realized it ain't what we needed. And now we're overwhelmed. Now we're frustrated. So, God, first of all, I ask you to forgive us for those things that we push for. God, they, they, they're supposed to be blessings, and that's what we want them to be as a blessing, Lord. Cars and houses and children and spouses and all these wonderful things that you allow us to have are meant to be blessings, Lord. But when we get them and we're not ready, they turn into a curse. They turn into a burden. So, Lord, forgive us for the things we brought upon ourselves. 
Forgive us for our disobedience. And Lord, we know that you not only forgive us, but you accept us. Hallelujah. You love us. You want what's best for us. And we promise we're going to do our best to listen to you in the future and not only listen, but obey. We don't want to be forgetful hearers, but we want to be doers of the word. And the next time you tell us to get ready, even though it disappoints us and it's not what we wanted to hear, we're going to get ready so that that blessing will remain a blessing when we get it. And it won't become a burden. Hallelujah. And Lord, I know there's some in here right now waiting for a husband to come into their life. Waiting for a wife, looking for a wife, looking for a good wife, a good thing, hallelujah. And Lord, we know that you're telling us, get ready, get rid of the baggage. Don't take that baggage into your new relationship. Don't take those hurts and anger and hatred and all that junk with the other relationship into the new relationship. So we know we got to get things ready, get things under the blood, prepare ourselves for our new relationship. We ain't found that good wife yet because we ain't been looking and we ain't been looking in the right places. And a good wife ain't going to come looking for us. We know that. They're, they're too busy preparing for their bridegroom. Hallelujah. But Lord, show us what we need to do. Give us the strength to do it. Help us to get ready for these things that we're expecting and waiting for. I know you have a good man for those that are waiting. I know you have a good wife for those that are waiting, Lord. Give us the patience that we need. And, and while we're waiting, God, show us what we need to prepare. Show us what we need to get ready so that when they come, they'll be ready. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Huh. I either thought about this example or God just gave it to me, but either way, I think it's worth giving. Somebody wanted a horse. God, I want a horse. I want a horse so bad. God said, get ready. No, I want it now. I need a horse now. So they pushed through and they got their horse. Only problem is they live in an efficiency apartment on the second floor with no, no backyard. So now that horse becomes a problem. It's not the blessing they thought it would be. It's a burden. If they would have got ready, they would realize the horse needs an acre of grass. He needs a stand to or a barn. He needs a couple bales of hay a day, some oats occasionally. He needs to be watered. He needs to be exercised. He needs equipment. He needs a bridle, a saddle a brush. He needs all kinds of care and we weren't prepared to give it to him. And the reason I think God gave me that example just now is because that's how we do a lot of things in life. God, I want this and I want it now. God says, you ain't ready for it. Well, I'm going to get it anyway. And then it comes. But it's not the blessing you thought it would be. I guess what I'm trying to say, the moral of the story, is ask God first. And I know a lot of times we don't want to ask God because we know the answer. Then don't ask him. If you already know the answer, don't answer. Ask him, just do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to pray for anybody today that is insecure in their life. I want to make sure when you leave here today, you know where to put your love and acceptance, where to get your love and acceptance from so that you won't look for it in anybody or anything else. And when you're not feeling confident, when you're not feeling secure, I want you to remember that God is your security. I want you to remember that your love and acceptance is going to come from Him no matter what's going on around you or what anybody says about you or who says anything about you. You don't need their love and acceptance. You need God's love and acceptance. If that's you, I want you to come up. I, we want to pray for you today. It doesn't only have to be with marriage or a man or a horse. It could be with a job. 
any kind of relationship, a promotion, anything that you're in doubt about. And if you don't think you're ready, you probably ain't. But I want everybody to know, before they leave here today, I want everybody to know where their love and acceptance should come from. Anybody else? This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.